of the horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Wednesday afternoon. We'll get into some Big 12 basketball today. Some top 25 basketball today. Texas gets a win, a big, big win over Houston Christian on the baseball diamond last night. We'll get into that. Talk a little NBA before the second half of the season starts back up. Talk a little NFL as well. Justin Fields. Remarks on his social media activity. That is what we're talking about in February. A little bit about the Bears in that number one pick and some draft targets for the Cowboys. We'll get into all of that and a whole lot more, including your text messages, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number you guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. That means whatever you guys want to talk about, send it in. We try to get to every text on the show. We don't always, but we try to get to as many as we possibly can and uh, talk to you guys about whatever you guys want to talk about because the show is so much more fun when you guys are involved. Uh, I hope everybody's having a good week. We've made it. We've made it to Wednesday. We're, we're, we're halfway through. If you're driving home from work, you got through the hard part. We're getting through, getting ready. To go downhill, the NBA comes back tomorrow night. You get uh, you get back to the weekend and have a good old time. That's what we're getting close to on a on a big old Wednesday show here on the Sports Complex. Uh, we know Texas basketball did play on Monday. They did the Saturday Monday. Uh, they uh, split those. Of course, lose to a really good Houston team that's playing top notch basketball right now and don't play well. Then they don't necessarily play great against K State, but again. Get the win or get a win that was much needed. They're uh, getting rested up, hopefully getting ready for a complicated and tough two road games in a row against Kansas, against Texas Tech. Those are going to be tough games for them to go play and try and win. Uh, They have a shot, but uh, those will be tough. They need to prepare a lot this week. Hopefully that extra day uh, of being able to play on a Monday, hopefully you'll get a little bit of rest and then right back into it preparing uh, for these matchups this weekend. Texas Tech played last night. Uh, they they win 82-81 over TCU. I had to come back from down 10 in the second half uh, to come back and get that game. TCU played a really, really good game against Texas Tech. Uh, they uh, they out-rebound them 49, out-rebound Texas Tech 49-36 to in that game. They make it as close as they can possibly make it, uh, but Texas Tech just knows how to get it done uh, at the end of the day, Pop Isaacs, and this is what we, when I talk about Texas, and I know I beat this to death, <laughs> but I'll say it again because Pop Isaacs has not been shooting great in the last few weeks, but he's still been being effective. 
Uh, and that's what you need from your guy who's supposed to be the, the spark plug of your offense and the guy who's scoring the points. So he uh, ends up scoring 19 points in the game to lead Texas Tech. Uh, but he only shoots four from 11 from the field. He shoots 0 for 5 from 3. Still gets into 19 points. How does he do it? 11 of 12 free throws. Now, some of that's down the end of the stretch when he's getting the ball and shooting those uh, free throws when TCU's fouled. So there is some of that. But he's also going, getting to the free throw line. He's able to get himself some free throws in the game, get started, get his average up a little bit more. That's what we're saying. It's what we need from Tyrese Hunter and Max Acemas. Uh, You know, and and if and look, the reality is I'd love to see Max Acemas do it because I know he is, you know, dead-eye th- uh, free throw shooter. I know the abilities he has, that that's something that if he adds that to his game will be so much more potent. it would make it so much harder for guys to guard him because if he can get up there and get fouls, you have to give him a little bit more space, and a little bit of space for a guy like that can mean a lot. It's a great way for him to get back shooting better because I trust Max Acemist as a shooter more than I trust Tyrese Hunter because Tyrese Hunter's always been really, really streaky where he can get going, but he in the, his time in Texas has never been a consistent uh, shooter, Max Acemas has it points. So I'd love to see him do that. But if Max Acemas is not willing to do it, Tyrese Hunter, if you're trying to make it to that next level, then you have to start doing that and get to the free throw line and go hit your free throws and go take that beating in the post and try and figure that out. But one of those guys has got to, have to start figuring that out. And you're going to play against a Kansas team and a Texas Tech team that are going to go after you. And, and you know, tech, you're playing against a Kansas team coming up. Kansas is not necessarily the uh, most physical team. They have some guys that will play you enough, but they're really tall, they're really long, they're very athletic, so you're going to have to go in and create some contact in those games, either to buy yourself some space in between or to get the foul and get to the free throw line because they're just going to be a hard team to shoot over uh, with a lot of size against Texas, and Texas Tech is a team that's going to want to bump up against you, so getting them out of position uh, so where they bump you, you go to the free throw line. will be big in both those games this weekend. You hope to see it. But it's one of the reasons Texas Tech is able to get this win against TCU where they're outplaying a lot of different ways uh, in this game, but they just are able to fight back in the second half and come back from down 10 to get a big win over TCU, keep that home record what it is, uh, and keep themselves to rank 23 now. They'll stay right back in that ranking uh, and improve their stock going into the NCAA tournament. We also had a big uh, top 25 matchup. Number 11, Baylor, was at number 25, BYU. BYU gets the win, 78-71. to This has been a problem for Baylor all season. They're really good at home, like really, really good at home. Uh, but unfortunately, in March, you don't play at home a lot. You play in the Big 12 tournament. You will be playing uh, at, uh, at the NCAA tournament. You're not going to be playing in Waco. So you're going to have to be able to figure out a way to make that offense travel a little better than it's traveling right now. Uh, BYU outshoots them from three-point range. That's always going to be a big thing. They outshoot uh, Baylor 39-25 to in the game. BYU has 16 offensive rebounds in the game. They win second chance points 20-4 to and just go out there and, you know, they shoot They shoot a little bit better. They out-hustle them a little bit better, and they just play a all-around better game. Surprising this game didn't get into the 80s between these two teams that want to play more offense, uh, but I think it was kind of slowed down a little bit throughout the game. A little bit slower they wanted. Both guys held on to the ball pretty well. These are two teams that can score in a hurry if you start turning the ball over. They held on to the ball pretty well, uh, but BYU was able to pull out a win over Baylor, which is going to be big for them. Uh, you know, Playing in that Big 12 conference right now is, you know, you see a lot of guys that the tournament committee is looking at the Big 12 as a, as a real gauntlet. Unfortunately for Texas, 
they're still going to look at it and say, well, if we're putting in nine teams and your team 10, you know, how are we still going to justify putting in 10 teams? Or if you're team eight, and we're putting in seven uh, and we're only putting in five from the SEC and only putting in five from, you know, Big Ten, it's harder to justify putting in a Texas team uh, if they keep falling behind some of these other teams that are right on that edge. Now, BYU's not top 25 team. They're clearly getting in. But now you worry about those TCUs who's coming on strong at the end. Uh, K-State, you probably are ahead of right now because you get that win. You feel a little bit better about K-State. Uh, but those some of those teams where it's a little bit on edge, uh, you may not get the, the benefit of, well, you played a really hard Big 12 schedule. You may get a detriment of, well, there's just so many Big 12 teams. We're taking the top ones, and you're kind of falling off. So Texas needs to try and go out there and get some get some wins that are important over ranked teams uh, in the Big Twelve in this last couple of weeks to get themselves where they need to be and a good performance in the Big Twelve tournament as well. We talked about it some too that this was a this is kind of similar to how they were playing last season, uh, where it looked like all hope was lost near the end of the season, and then they play Kansas and everything starts to turn around for them. They go in, win the Big Twelve tournament, and make a run at the Elite Eight. Uh, I don't know if that's the storybook, how they're supposed to do it every year. I don't know if that's the way you'd like to do it. And I, I'm not saying that's the most likely scenario. But it did happen last year, so there is a chance that Texas could find a path to get back uh, into the tournament and get hot at the right time. But you just have to be able to start getting those shots back. And I'll say it again and again until I'm blue in the face. you got to be able to get to the free throw line. Because if you want to see your shots go down, no one's going to let you get easy layups. No one's going to let you get wide, wide open shots. Uh, you know, five feet from the basket so you can see that go down. Those shots you're going to see go down are your free throws. So if you can shoot those and if you can get to the line, those are the ones to get. Uh, we also did see number one uh, in the country go down, allowing us a little bit more vision into uh, a season that if Kansas finishes out strong, which we're hoping they don't, we're hoping Texas gets a win on Saturday, uh, but if Kansas finishes out strong, you could see two Big 12 teams uh, as number one seeds with Houston almost certain to be a number one seed right now. Uh, but UConn gets a loss, and a big loss. 85-66, to 66, Creighton, who's number 15 in the country, gets the win. Uh, Tristan Newton for UConn had a big game, 27-12-4, a big game for him, uh, but not enough to get it done. Creighton shoots 50% from the three-point line. UConn's 3-16 from the three-point line. Uh, shooting will always kind of be the great equalizer, and at home for Creighton, they were able to get those shots going. They get a few more shots up. Those shots are threes. They get their free throws. Uh, just making shots is what it's able to get it done for Creighton as they knock off the number one team in the country, 85-66. to 66. Uh, That'll jump them up the rankings, but it's a big shot right now uh, for UConn at number one to take a loss uh, later in the season. Big game. Fun game to watch last night there. Uh, and then in baseball, we got to watch Texas dominate. Houston Christian, 20-3. to three. Uh, it was a there was a, some odd pieces in there. There was a double play that wasn't really a double play, but it was a fielder's choice into a, not an error, but a, a miscue into a miscue from the runner. We had that in there. Luke Harrison uh, starts the game. He pitches uh, an inning in two thirds, gives up two hits, one run, but three walks. Uh, and David Pierce pulls him from the game right then, puts in Easton Tumas. At the time he's pulled, Texas is down. Uh, one to nothing from that earned run in the first inning. Easton Tumas comes in, pitches really well for two of the third innings, one hit, one walk, and four strikeouts. So some good pitching there from Tumas. Uh, but what we saw was in the third inning, 
In the second inning, Texas puts up three. In the third inning, they put up three, start to distance themselves a little bit. And then in that fifth inning, it all opens up. Uh, they put up six runs in the fifth. They keep putting up runs over and over. Uh, it became a little bit more of a party uh, after that fifth inning for Texas. They felt they got that little separation, and then it finished the game 20-3. to uh, They're going to take on Cal Poly this weekend. Uh, but good for this Texas team to feel the bats coming alive. You love to see that where Texas is able to really start to feel like they have that lineup where they're going to be able to keep getting on base, keep hitting home runs, three home runs for the Longhorns in the game. Uh, a good outing on a Tuesday where you needed to go show what you could do. Uh, other than Luke Harrison just not being able to pull it off and where he just his accuracy wasn't quite where it wanted to be. Uh, I, I saw the signs. I think it was – I feel like it was a Marlins, but it could have been another uh, MLB team that had the signs that said basically, I don't care how, how fast ball four was. I don't care how fast ball four was, was the signs posted all over uh, uh, spring training and uh, MLB from a manager basically saying, look, man, I get a lot of you guys can throw the ball real hard. If you can't put it where it needs to be, we're going to pull you out of the game. And uh, we saw a little bit of that last night, but Texas gets a big win. Again, we said Cal Poly is coming up this weekend. Uh, text lines open, 512-447-3776. You want to talk some college basketball, some college baseball and we're going to get into some NBA as well right now uh, before we hit the break uh, some interesting news we saw right before the uh, all-star weekend Kevin Ollie or sorry Jock Vaughn is fired from the Brooklyn Nets Kevin Ollie is taking over as an interim head coach uh, the Brooklyn Nets are right in that position where they're they're almost into the play-in they're an 11 seed right now in the east if you can get into that play-in, if you can move up a couple spots and possibly get into the playoffs and get a better shot, I think Brooklyn feels like they'd really like to get in there right now. They've had some injuries, uh, but has a decent team. They still have too many wings on the team, but you know they're trying to get better and better, uh, Brooklyn is. So they're, they went ahead and made the move that they do not feel like their season's over. This is also not a draft that anyone's tanking for, for, for in the NBA. You know, there's a lot of times where you really want that pick. You know, we saw the Mavs last year, and, it, it, you know, even though to get the 13th, 14th pick is not as huge, they wanted to be in that draft lottery last year and basically tank the last couple games because it didn't matter for them to get in the draft lottery. Uh, this is a team, I don't know if too many teams are going to be doing that this year. It's, you know, really once you get past the top three or four, it's much more of a crapshoot. Uh, so you'd rather get into that play in and pick a pick or two later, and you're still going to be taking a lot of guys. Uh, basically based in uh, your hopes and based in uh, upside and potential. Uh, but I wanted to look at some of the other teams and coaches that may be on the hot seat after we saw that. We know Milwaukee has already let go of Adrian Griffin and brought in Doc Rivers, and that doesn't seem like it has been working great for them. Uh, we know that Wes Unseld uh, got moved up in Washington. But I wanted to look around because in, the NBA and the NFL is a little bit different because the length of the season and because of you know playing all the time playing three or four games a week it, there's not necessarily as many in-season firings and now in the play-in you don't necessarily want to you know you don't necessarily see teams fire coaches because they're going to miss the playoffs because you add those two extra seeds in and people are like you're still in the play-in uh, but there are a few coaches I got four coaches listed for you that are interesting coaches and teams to see what they do for the rest of the season if they decide to start moving on to something where they're looking into next year, like how the Hawks did last year where they were trying to improve a little bit for last year, but
but I think it was a move of we really need to see what we have going forward, looking at our roster, looking at who we've got under contract. We have to kind of look going forward when they let go of Nate McMillan and hired in Quinn Snyder. Is this experiment with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray going to work? The consensus now is it's not. Uh, but they wanted to bring in a second coach, and they didn't want to wait to the offseason and go through everything then. Uh, so they did it during the season. These are all teams that are kind of in that, except for the fourth one. They're all in that system where they may make a move because going forward they'd like to know what they have. Uh, we know the uh, – I'll start off with the Bulls. Bulls are an interesting team. They're right now the ninth seed. They're in that play-in, but they're in the backside of the play-in. They're in the play-in that you have to win two to get in, not one, and if you lose one, you're out. Uh, Billy Donovan there has been a pretty good coach but hasn't been able to get him over that hump. They've tried to bring some guys in. The Lonzo Ball injury was really devastating to that team because you lose a guy that you gave up some assets for and felt was going to be a star player for your team. Uh, and he just had, was not able to ever be really healthy for them. Uh, Zach Levine is another guy they brought in to be a star player, and he's played well at points, but injuries have set him back, and then he just hasn't become the guy that they ever wanted him to be. Uh, he is now undergoing uh, season-ending foot surgery, so he's out for the rest of the season. You have a DeMar DeRozan on this team who's a good player, but he's not necessarily going to lead you to a title we know when he was on you know Toronto he was part of that team that won the NBA finals but that's or they was traded as part of the that deal that Kawhi Leonard comes in and uh and gets them to win an NBA title and the, the Raptors were pretty close with him but it needed to be switched out so you know that he's not quite that guy he's not Kawhi Leonard he's not that superstar to get you there uh so he's and he's also He's a guy who's going into free agency and most likely not going to be kept in Chicago. There's a chance uh, that he'll agree to a term and, and no one else really has the money to pay him. That's a reality and you know where people are trying to shed salaries more with the new CBA and the, the, co- the cap curtains and the levels where you're going to have to pay more and more luxury tax that people don't want to be in. There's other penalties other than luxury taxes now. Uh, so a lot of teams don't necessarily want to do that. So he may not find a place for the amount of money the Bulls are willing to offer him because they have his bird rights. They may go give him that you know, 15 mil a year where other teams may not. So we'll see where he ends up, but he is one. And they also want to pay Patrick Williams. He's a free agent. He wants a lot of money. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to reach a deal with him, but he wants to get paid like he's going to be a star, even though he's not yet. So you have to make a decision on Patrick Williams. So I don't know if you're happy being 26 and 29. You know, you're you're four and a half games over the 11 seed right now at the nine seed. So you're not too far off. Brooklyn's coming at you. But if you lose a few more games and you drop down into that out of playoffs, I don't know if the Bulls are a team that necessarily wants to drop out of the play-in game. Uh, you know, I think they'd like to be a little bit more competitive, even with Zach Levine out, uh, to figure out what they have, figure out what Patrick Williams is, develop those younger guys, get the team, Kobe White, get everybody playing at a high enough level that you feel like when you enter Zach Levine in next year and whatever pieces you're able to put together, you have a team ready to attack and be a top four, top five team in the East next season. I don't know if that's possible or not, but I think they'd like to know that, and they'd like to know you know, how this team plays with and without Zach Levine, so there's a chance that they could say, well, going forward, now that Zach Levine's out, we'd like to know how this team could look going forward, and if Billy Donovan is not in our plans long term, he may get the axe before the end of the season and bring somebody else in. Uh, you know, there is still coaches available. Like Mike Budenholzer is still a coach that won a championship in Milwaukee and isn't necessarily the most beloved coach, but somebody who is known to develop talent and has done a good job at other places. 
And we've seen in Milwaukee, they can fire a coach just for any reason now. Uh, and they have different reasons for firing a coach. So he's somebody that a team like the Bug- the Bulls could look at and say, we know we want a different style of coach, and he's very different than a Billy Donovan. You can look over at the Trailblazers and another coach in Chauncey Billups. And Chauncey Billups was brought in uh, to kind of salvage the end of the Dame Lillard era to bring him back. Wasn't able to get that done. Uh, and now they're in that weird rebuild part of – not trying to go into full rebuild. They've kept Jeremy Grant. They've kept Anthony Simons, and Simons is playing really, really well right now. You know, they still have Robert Williams on this team. They got DeAndre Ayton in the trade, who you'd like to be able to see if, if Chauncey Billups can get him to another level, if they're able to help bring him in and make him a, a valuable part of this team. That's a question you want to see. Malcolm Brogdon's still on this team, probably won't be next season, uh, but they still have some players there. And then you look at the development. Is he going to be able to get Scoot Henderson where they believe that this is the guy that they think, okay, well, he's going to develop our young stars in Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp and get them to be stars? Or is he going to kind of put them behind Simons and Jeremy Grant and you're an okay team, but you can never get a superstar at that next level? Uh, And if they feel that the development and that they're trying to win too much now versus the player development, that could be something where you see Chauncey Billups move off to get a more player development coach in because that's not really what Chauncey Billups was brought in for uh, in, in, uh, in Portland. So that could be a move off of him just to try and bring in a coach that's much more known uh, for developing a guy like DeAndre and developing a guy like Shaden Sharp, developing a guy like Scoot Henderson because right now Shaden Sharp is their uh, you know better young player. Anthony Simons, too, is, is just dominant. And Jeremy Grant's a good player, but I could believe Jeremy Grant will be traded as well uh, just because they're going to want to move off that contract. So they're going to have to make decisions. We'll see what they end up doing, but he's on the hot seat as well. If you come out in this and they win a couple games and they just sit in that area where they're not losing enough, they're not winning enough, but Scoot Henderson's not getting the playing time that they may want, they may just move on from him as well. Uh, could happen during the offseason as well. Uh, and then we can go over the Hornets. The Hornets that make the moves to the trade deadline. Uh, Terry Rozier is gone now in in – in Charlotte, Gordon Hayward is gone in Charlotte. They get, trade P.J. Washington for Grant Williams. Uh, they both have some years left on their contract. Both guys do, so you see that you know they're not necessarily taking on something that wasn't already going to be there, but they bring in a Grant Williams who's going to be there for a few more years. They have LaMelo Ball, who that's, they've re-signed, and that's you know, what they believe the future is going to be, but they need to figure out the other pieces. Mitch Kupchak, their GM for a long time, is going to start moving up because they have new ownership. Michael Jordan sold the team. So the Hornets are starting to figure out with their new ownership and their new leadership, do they keep Steve Clifford through the season? Or do they say, let's go ahead and make the move now. Let's go find what they do. I think Steve Clifford's a guy in the Hornets that they'll probably just wait it out for the end of the season. But it is somebody you could watch. That if he starts rubbing people the wrong way, if they're trying to, if they feel they have a coach that they really want who's available now, they may go after that guy. You know, if they find a a sexier name, on the list, maybe an assistant somewhere else they feel they could bring in now and not compete with other teams in the offseason, you might see that because this is a team in Charlotte too where it's a smaller market team. Steve Clifford's not necessarily the coach that any free agent is going to look over at and say, man, I can't really want to – I just want to play for Steve Clifford. Uh, but if you get a you know an ex-player or somebody like that, you may be able to get somebody in uh, that people want to play for. And they're on the line though. Too with Steve Clifford, you know, is he going to be the guy that you want to go through if you're going to do a hard reset? Because it looks like they're going to do a real hard reset in Charlotte pretty soon 
Uh, basically have a few guys under contract. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, they took on that salary. That's going to be gone after this year. Uh, they're basically going to have LaMelo and Grant Williams, uh, Brandon Miller, you know, a few players for a lot, for two or three million a year that'll be on the contracts. Not a lot of guys, so have a little bit of cap room. Uh, we'll you know, get some more rookies in there, some more playing time, but could go out and try and get somebody and try to hard reset this uh, and say, okay, new coach, new general manager, here's a few pieces you have to deal with, but whatever else is your way to go, and a new GM may want to bring in a coach that coaches to the style they prefer as well. That's something to look forward to if they decide, if they start to try and make those moves before the offseason and try and get a head start on everybody uh, that is you know, competing for the playoffs. That's one of the benefits you have if you're a team that's not competing for the playoffs right now where you can kind of look ahead and say, well, we, we're not worried about that, so we can get a start. And if there's somebody out there we like and start interviewing people and start looking around, you can kind of get that done now at the end of the season. So just someone to look out there. And the last one, this may not be the most liked, but Jason Kidd. Uh, we know where they're at right now. They're 32 and 23. They're a game behind the fifth seed. If they get up in that fifth seed, things become a lot easier because then you're in that you're right behind the, the teams like the Nuggets and Oklahoma City and the Timberwolves uh, that you feel are are playing at a really high level right now. And you're right behind those teams, and you feel okay if we can start winning, we can get a little bit closer to them. We may not get to the five the four seed, but we're we're in that level. There's now a top five, and we're in it. We got to get over the Pelicans. We, you know, we're right there with the Suns, who are the five seed right now. So if you were the five seed and the the man and the the Suns are the six seed, but you can't be in the seven seed uh, where they're at right now because the seven seed is going to be playing in the play in. You don't want to be playing in the play in, especially with a team like the Mavs, where you know you've just been really beat up, and it just feels like all these moves you do and you can't get out of that really really middle level team. They're also only two and a half games ahead of ninth place where they're in the back end of the play-in. They're only four games from 10th place. And when they're, when they're going back down and that's when you start talking about, and who's the ninth and 10th, it's the Lakers and the Warriors. They don't want to be in that. We missed our window group. They don't want to be in that area of just kind of teams that they know have star, star players in Steph Curry and LeBron James. You don't necessarily want to be playing in that group You'd like to be ahead of the Pelicans for sure because you feel like you can be competitive in that group with Luka and Kyrie. Now, they've had some injuries this year. They should probably be a little bit higher because you'd probably win some games if you had Luka and Kyrie all season. But you've made you've made your trades now. You've leveraged a lot of your future. There isn't a lot of picks you can make and trades you can make right now if you're the Mavs. You don't necessarily have a lot of salary cap room either. Now, the positive side you basically have two more years with this team. Now, Kyrie has a player option after next season. He could demand it or leave or do whatever else and kind of hurt you. So you technically have one season with pretty much everybody there, but you can really get through two more seasons with most of this roster in check. I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is the only big-name player uh, that is expiring before then. They can re-sign him as well. Uh, but those are all – you have two more seasons where you feel this is – you know we need to go, but if you're the Mavs and you start to drop a little bit – if the P.J. Washington and Daniel Gafford, they don't play defense and you start to have the same problems and now it just doesn't get any better and now you're you're going backwards instead of forwards, you could see them make that move because they're all in. They're going for it in these next this season and the next two. The next three years is that window uh, where they feel like they have the players here and the contract signed. So you want to get to it, and if, if Kid's not the guy, you're going to have to make that decision. Now, they have stuck with him through a lot. They have been with him through a lot. But coming up, 
in the next few weeks. So they play the Suns tomorrow. That starts it off. They play a lot of playoff teams in the next couple weeks going into mid-March. They're going to play a lot of playoff teams. So if you can get to mid-March and you're in the five seed, you feel really, really good. Jason Kidd's doing his job. The Mavs are doing their job. You feel really, really good if you can get to mid-March. But if you can't get there, and if you're in mid-March and you're now eight or nine, well, now you are nine or ten and in that range and you're not doing well, your, your, your record's going to look better at the end of the season. You can look at it and say, well, we'll go on a run because we're playing the Pistons twice and the Spurs and the Rockets twice and, and teams that are going to be behind us and teams that are not playoff teams right now. We can beat those teams, but that doesn't mean anything because if you go into the play-in and get knocked out because you play a playoff team, then it's all for naught, and this team has talent. You know what Luke and Kyrie can do. You're hoping you can get P.J. Washington uh, to step up on the defensive end. You're hoping Daniel Gafford is going to be able to play as consistently as he did before the break, uh, and you hope that you have guys that really want to be there and build for this team. That's going to be the question for Jason Kidd. I think he can do it. But we've seen him in the past. Teams have started to fall apart. They're at the point for the Mavs. This next two to three weeks for the Mavs is make or break to figure out if they're going to be solidified as a team or if they're going to show us false hope at the end of March and beat some bad teams and build that record back up and get into a decent spot but not really be able to compete in a seven-game series or what they look like going into the break where you said, this is a team with healthy that especially if P.J. Washington starts playing some defense with his size and Daniel Gafford starts playing, those new guys that come in, they're able to play some defense. This is a team that no one wants to face in a seven-game series. And so the question is, is, is Jason Kidd's seat hot right now? No. Could it be in a week? Yes. Could it be in two weeks? Yes. So that is the question. Uh, but those are just some people to look at as we start to get to next week. We'll talk about the teams that are looking good tomorrow, I'm sure, as we get ready to get back into some NBA action uh, coming up very soon. Uh, we'll take a quick... Actually, you know what? Why don't we hit the big fat poll of the day? I'd like to know who you think is going to be in the hot seat as well. Uh, send that in. If you think the Mavs will be okay, if you're okay with Jason Kidd and all of that, send that in. Uh, but I do want to ask a question. We're going to talk football on the big fat poll today, so why don't we hit that sounder? Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. Big fat poll of the day today. Text line 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. Uh, The NBA NFL draft is coming up. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the 5 o'clock hour. We uh, looked at most reports have Byron Murphy going first of any Longhorns. Pretty much all people say that Byron Murphy is going to be the first Longhorn off the board. So I'm going to ask you, who will be the second Longhorn drafted in the NFL? Is it X-Man? Is it Adonai Mitchell? Is it Tavondre Sweat that crawls that climbs up that list? Is it somebody else? JT Sanders, does he get in that conversation? Or do you think somebody jumps ahead of all of them and Byron Murphy's number two? You can send that in too. Do you have a wild card in there for me? Who do you think the second Longhorn drafted uh, in the NFL draft is going to be? That's our poll today, 512-447-3776. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll get into a little uh, sound from Hook Em Up with Ian Rob B. Talking some Dallas Cowboys. We come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, Priceline. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Back on the Sports Complex on a Wednesday afternoon here on the Horn. Appreciate all you guys hanging out with me on a Wednesday afternoon. Text line is open, 512-447-3776. Big fat poll of the day today. It is up on the text line. Who will be the second Longhorn drafted in the NFL draft? Who will be the second Longhorn drafted? I know it may change. We may ask it again after the combine. It's coming up a couple in well, a week and a half. We'll get to the NFL combine. We'll get maybe to ask it again then, but we'll ask right now. Who will be the second Longhorn drafted? See if you can call it in February. If you can call it two months out, who will be the second Longhorn drafted in the NFL draft? If we keep hearing that Byron Murphy is projected to be the first Longhorn drafted, who do you think will be the second Longhorn drafted? Send that in there. I want to play you a little hook him up replay from this morning talking uh, some Dallas Cowboys and Micah Parsons. He has been a lot in the news. Cowboys, the number one TV show in America, as Rob Baber says, and uh, he'll tell you why here on a little hook 'em up replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, let's uh, talk about the Dallas Cowboys a little bit. First, we'll jump to the defensive side of the ball for the Cowboys. Uh, Michael Parsons had his interview with Stephen A. Smith. He's not having another one. He's not actually talking still, but uh, there's more from that Stephen A. Smith interview that he did around the NBA All-Star weekend. Um, This piece of audio we have not heard, um, but it is Michael Parsons talking about their new defensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer and his thoughts about Mike Zimmer and how he's excited uh, to have a fresh start with Mike Zimmer in Dallas. Here is uh, Michael Parsons with Stephen A. Smith. New defensive coordinator. Quite as gold, Zimmer is in. Your thoughts? Uh, I'm excited. Anthony Barr reached out to me, told me how good he is. Uh, Daniel Hunter talked to me how good he is. Um, man, I'm just excited for a fresh start, really. Um, you know, and not that I don't miss Dan or won't miss him, because I love Dan. You know, I love Dan. He's like uncle, father, her friend, however you want to look at it. Dope dude. Wish him all the success in Washington, except for against Dallas Cowboys. Right. I like I like, I, I like um, when a lot the job that he did up until the Green Bay game. Yeah. Um, but, man, I'm just, man, to me, I just want to pull that stuff aside. I just want to play winning football. I want, to, I want everybody to be accountable. I want everybody locked in. I want, you know, and what I hear is Zimmer's one of them guys is going to have everybody accountable. I looked at all his press, I mean, his press conference quotes. I just want a fresh start, man. I just want to change the culture. I didn't do Dallas Cowboys and win the championship. There you go. Um, talking about his uh, expectations with Mike Zimmer. It's going to be really interesting to see what Mike Zimmer's plan is to weaponize Michael Parsons. Dan Quinn's system 
automatically was compatible with the skill set of a Michael Parsons. He's a hybrid player, um, can move around as a movable chess piece on the defense, and Dan Quinn's system was malleable and multiple. Zimmer does not have a malleable multiple system. Um, Now, he can. He can make it. He can tweak it any way he would like, um, but his system uh, has a lot more rigidity to it. And a lot of people said that's why it'll be it'll be easier to stabilize um, that defense, so you won't have as much volatility, right? Going up against teams that you know can run the football and the power running game, you won't have to worry about those things with Mike Zimmer's defense. It's a much more fundamentally sound defense. Doesn't take as many chances as Dan Quinn. Dan Dan Quinn rolled the dice a lot, a lot of twists and stunts up front, um, a lot of uh, pre-snap movement with the the safeties in the back end, lots of man coverage, lots of sub-packages so you can move guys around. You won't have as much of that with Zimmer's defense, um, but I think there was some advantages to that, right? You confuse a lot of pass protections, confuse quarterbacks pre-snap and post-snap read, so you would force a lot of turnovers, which Dan Quinn's defense did. It was one of the leaders in takeaways in the NFL each year that he was there, uh, led the NFL in back-to-back years in takeaways. Got a lot of pressure. Why? Because you're confusing the blocking schemes up front, so you may lose some of that, but you going to gain, I think, a more uh, stable, fundamentally sound defense. But what does that do for Micah? And where is Micah? Is Micah an off-ball? Is he still considered an off-ball pass-rushing linebacker like Dan Quinn considered him? Or is he now in that uh, overfront that like that basically Dan uh, Zimmer likes to play? He's just going to be a defensive end because you'll get more base personnel with just four DBs with Mike Zimmer in there. You'll have more base personnel. Are you just going to put Micah Parsons at defensive end and let him stay there? Or are you still going to be able to move him around? That is a question that I have for Mike Zimmer, and I'm sure that was one of the first questions that they asked Mike Zimmer when he came in. Hey, how are you going to use Michael Parsons? We're about to make him the highest-paid defensive player in the history of the game. What are you going to do to make sure that you weaponize him and maximize his kind of talent? And I can't wait to see what Zimmer does. Remember, Zimmer had – you know, he had some great athletes. Anthony Barr, I'm glad Anthony Barr actually called – you know, Michael Parsons played together because the, the the Cowboys brought in Anthony Barr at one time uh, with the linebacking core a couple of years ago. And I, I think that Anthony Barr, moved, early on in his career, he did move around that front. They would put him on the edge at times. They would blitz him from the off-ball position. I wonder if that could be a template for how Mike Zimmer ends up using uh, Michael Parsons, who's a much more versatile player than Anthony Barr. But Anthony Barr, early on, was a guy they moved around the front a lot of times to try to maximize his ability. Um, okay, but getting to the offensive side of the ball because uh, Dak Prescott's about to get paid. Matter of fact, so Micah could get paid, you got to pay Dak. You got to extend Dak. You got to lower his cap hit. Um, you got to, you know, obviously you'll spread out those payments over a longer period of time to Dak. And then you can pay Micah his money because uh, you'll have a more cap-friendly situation. You can pay CD his money. George Schultz, who uh, is in, an insider, he recently made a bold claim. He had a hot take about Dak Prescott's latest contract negotiations. Uh, here's Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report uh, making a, a very bold prognostication about one Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott really had the best season of his career. But you also have Dallas, who still has to pay CeeDee Lamb. They still have to pay Micah Parsons. And obviously, they're going to have to pay Dak Prescott. Now, I've been on the record. I believe Dak Prescott is going to command somewhere along the lines of $60 million per year, potentially making him the highest-paid quarterback in football and resetting 
his quarterback market. He played that well. And really for most of the season, especially that back half of the year, Dak Prescott was the MVP favorite or in that conversation and obviously finished inside the top five. So he really was there throughout. Okay, And then you also have the fact that, again, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you push CeeDee Lamb down this year. So you really have to pay him. You could wait to pay Micah Parsons because he's now extension eligible for the first time. This was his third season. Um, So there's a lot of moving parts. But I believe considering how well Dak played for Dallas this year, considering the alternatives and the fact that Jerry Jones really wants to win now, doesn't want to have to start over at quarterback, and has a tremendous amount of respect for Dak Prescott. I believe that Dak Prescott is going to reset the quarterback market and get in the vicinity of $60 million this offseason. Ooh, yeah, that's a whole lot of money. And, yes, that would put Dak at the top of the quarterback food chain. Um, at that point, if you're talking about average annual value, if he's approaching $60 million, he'd be approaching being the highest-paid QB in the league. Are the Cowboys ready to do that? He will have all the leverage. Coming off an all-pro season, coming off a season where he was in the MVP conversation, and Mike McCarthy, who is a lame-duck coach, uh, even though you know he hadn't been offered an extension, Dak Prescott is now inevitably linked to Mike McCarthy's security and his long-term um, opportunities with the Cowboys because that Texas Coast offense with Mike McCarthy calling the plays did lead to Dak Prescott having his most impressive regular season campaign ever or in his career. Um, so he's about to get paid. Um, and then what do you do after you pay Dak Prescott? Do you, do you extend Mike McCarthy? Um, I don't know exactly what the Cowboys are going to do, but I do know they have no choice but to extend Dak and maybe Jordan Schultz is right. Maybe they end up making him uh, an offer that makes him the highest-paid QB in the league. Um, that'll lower his cap figure, but ultimately that will tie Dak to the Cowboys for the next five, six years, whatever that contract's going to be. Yeah, he's got all the leverage, Rod. I mean, the only leverage the Cowboys have is Trey Lance to maybe say, man, we're willing to move on. Yep. I don't think they are. I think Jared you know, Dak would call his bluff, their bluff. But at the same time, hey, we traded for Trey Lance. We really like him. Uh, we can't, you know, 60s too heavy. But, you know, that, that's, that's I mean, the, the agent for Dak Prescott. And, again, we talked about this earlier, but the Cowboys, this goes back to when they didn't sign him after his third year and let him get all the way to franchise tags and things and really, you know, got put themselves over a barrel as far as the number. And by the time they signed him, they, you know, Dak was then going to be in the $40 million range. Well, now here he is at the end of that deal – He's in the fifty to sixty million dollar range, yep. and uh, I think that what the what the 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 voice there just said is right. I mean, the, the last contract was Joe Burrow. That's fifty five million. Fifty five. Yep. So the next phase, and here we are in the off season, off a second team All Pro season. I mean, Joe Burrow got that. He's been to a Super Bowl, but he uh, can't say healthy. I mean, Dak Prescott's been healthy. They had the one year with the injury, but uh, yeah, he's got all the leverage. And I know Cowboy fans hate to hear it, but the the brass tacks are: he's your quarterback. He's played to a Pro Bowl level. Uh, pay, pay my guy. He's about to get paid. And Herbert and Lamar Jackson are at fifty-two million. Jalen Hurts at fifty-one million. I mean that. Hell, Russell Wilson. If you look at average annual value, he's at forty-eight million. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you hate to say it, but that is kind of the that that is the now the market value for a franchise quarterback coming off a really good year, and that is Dak Prescott right now. So yeah, I mean. He was going to get above $50 million anyway, just based on that. I thought he would just be in that realm. Um, but based on Jordan Schultz's uh, prediction, yeah, Dak may 
surpass Joe Burrow and get his uh, $60 million. And, man, you know who's happy about that? Patrick Mahomes. Oh. Because I can't imagine when they extend him, and right? Because that's coming up. They have to at one point decide, all right, we want Patrick Mahomes to be happy, so let's renegotiate him and extend him. I mean, he's going to get a redeem. Remember, he got signed that 10-year deal. Yeah, ten year. Well, it's a twelve year deal because it, it yeah, off it put on top two. of his final two. But yeah. I, he's got a. He, well, there was talk at the Super Bowl that Lee Steinberg was talking, and there he's well, he wants to take less to. to save more and those kind of things and get get. We'll see what that looks like. But you're right. I I, I believe Patrick Mahomes doesn't want to be the highest paid quarterback on an annual basis. I think he wants to win championships. He does. Uh, so, uh, but at this point, we'll see what Dak Prescott does in that same regard. Uh, all right, good stuff right there with Rod and the Rod's rants. Good uh, thought. I will say this. I heard Patrick Davis say this yesterday on the Sports Complex, and I agree with it. And Ty can weigh in, too, because he's the Cowboys fan. Uh, Nick Shuley can weigh in coming up. Is it, is it a little bit bothering that all of a sudden, a couple of years into his career, Micah Parsons has become the voice of the Cowboys? Like, has he done anything to be the guy that speaks for the – because it does sound like he's out talking, doing all – maybe it's just he's been doing a lot of interviews of late. But it's like uh, – I keep saying it. Keep quit talking. <laughs> quit talking. You're not. You're, you. I don't know that you've been. I, I would think some of the people in his own locker room, like, yo, you, what made you the voice of our team? Like, what makes you uh, the guy that speaks for the Cowboys? Now he was just speaking for him, but he's he's talking about bigger picture conversations. Is he the best player on the team? Well, I mean, what has he done in big games? I need some big game performances. I know, but none of the Cowboys perform in big games. So is he the best player on the team? Uh, yeah, probably. So I think that's why he's talking. I'm the okay. best player on the team. Right. That's why I asked the question I, that way. And, is I've it been, a, is someone... I've, and I've been empowered by Jay. Yeah, well, that's He calls other. him Jay. I've been empowered by Jay. I watched the Super Bowl with Jay. Jay hooks my, my, my partners up with Super Bowl tickets. Right. Well, I've look. been empowered by the GM and the head coach. And with that authority, I am the face of the franchise now. And that's why I, I asked it that way. Now. Is that a little bit bothersome? I yeah, think it I'm, might be. I don't disagree, uh, but you know who likes it? Jerry Jones. Yeah. Again, back to the Jerry Jones problem. Jerry Jones the root likes of all that. evil. The yeah. root of all problems. <laughs> but Jerry likes it, right? That's a Jerry Jones culture because Jerry Jones talks a lot. Yeah. And when Jerry Jones is not talking, he wants somebody else out there talking so that the Cowboys will continue to be the number one TV star, number one TV show. Remember I gave you those numbers about the most watched television programs in, in, in oh, America? I, I understand and why the, it is. And the NFL, I think, is 93 of the top 100 most watched programs in America are NFL games. You know who the most watched team is? The yeah. Cowboys. 100%. I get 18 it. of those games are Cowboys I'm just saying, at, at this point of his career, I don't know that he's there yet as far as being the voice, and I would think there are some, some guys in his own locker room that might believe that. You're right, he's been empowered by the owner, and that's part of the big problem in my mind. Good stuff there from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie. Weekday morning, 6 to 11, right here on The Horn. All right, big fat poll of the day today on the text line, 512-447-3776. If you want to talk basketball or baseball, we can talk any of that as well. We'll get into some Cowboys in the 5 o'clock. Uh, we'll get into uh, uh, Justin Fields and his comments on the uh, the St. Brown Boys podcast. We'll get into those as well. Uh, but I had the poll of the day, who will be the second Longhorn drafted in the NFL draft? The second Longhorn drafted in the NFL draft. Send that in on the text line. We'll come back and get to the text line, whatever you guys want to talk about. 512-447-3776. We'll come back and get to the text line here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019. AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn.
Back at the Sports Complex here on the Horn on a Wednesday afternoon. Text lines open 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Asking you a uh, big fat poll today. Who will be the second Longhorn drafted in the NFL draft? Uh, whatever else you guys want to talk about. Do have a text here. Uh, it says, what a great song. I believe you were talking about the last one. Mays and Frankie Beverly. Yes, it's a very good song. Break there. Two pretty good, too. Uh, <laughs> text here says, you have to pay Dak. I mean, what else was really out there? Uh, that's part of it. And then also, if you don't pay Dak, uh, then you're really going to try. If they try and get a rookie next season, that's going to get there. You have Trey Lance if you think that's the answer. Uh, but as far as free agent uh, quarterbacks, and it wouldn't be for this season either. So that's the reality is if you were going to try and get a quarterback, it wouldn't be for this season because his dead cap number is just astronomical. It's like $56 million or something like that, $60 million. I don't know. It's, it's a huge, huge number. And it's a deal is because they've restructured and you have to pay that off. Uh, the restructure is going to be on your cap until those numbers go through. The uh, the signing bonus will be on your cap. All these things that you've already paid him are all going to be on your cap and the dead cap. Uh, if you if you try to trade him or let him go, you're just you're kind of stuck with him for this season, no matter what. And then when you're trying to make the cap numbers work, then it means that you have to either re-sign him and, and rework that number. Uh, so that you have a little bit more room to play with this season, but that gives him a lot down the line. Uh, or you just you know tough it out and try and figure out a way to get through this season, and then hope you have another pick or you know somebody Trey Lance or whoever uh, the rookie you draft this year turns out to be the next guy, and you move on and you just say, all right, he's gone in free agency. We've just cleared you know forty five fifty million dollars in clap now I in cap. I believe he'd still have a cap hit next season, too, because of restructures. I think he'd still have a 20-something million dollar cap hit uh, next season. However, you would be able to kind of move past Dak next season if that's really what they wanted. But again, he finished second in MVP. I just don't see that happening. I think he gets paid uh, this offseason. That just seems like the way it's going to be. Uh, we also have a couple texts say uh, AD will be second. And we also get uh, second uh, Adonai Mitchell and also a Micah talks too much from Chan. Yes, uh, Micah does talk too much. Uh, you know, you gotta, it's, it's hard to do it. All these guys now, they want to be podcasts right out of the gate. And, you know, you're like, man, it, it helps if you already have the reputation before you go try and do that. Because now your reputation is based in these two things where it used to be, you know, that wasn't an option. It's not like those guys before them wouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think Charles Barkley would have loved to have a podcast going while he was a player. I don't think you know. I think Michael Jordan probably would have had something going when he was a player. I mean, Kobe might have had something going when he was a player, but none of those that wasn't an option then, like it is now. That everyone's getting called that they want to do it, so it's different now. Uh, but yeah, to go out there and, and go that big, uh, we will play you coming up in the five o'clock hour. Uh, Justin Fields was on the St. Brown Boys podcast, talked about unfollowing the Bears. Uh, on social media and, and where he's at with that. Uh, we'll get into the Dallas Cowboys a little bit more and uh, what they may be looking for in the draft as well. And we'll also talk a little bit about that first-round pick with Justin Fields and whatever else you want to talk about on the text line, 512-447-3776. Get to that as well. When we come back here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com.